Good morning. How's everybody? Everybody gets quiet for me? For you, not for me. What do you think that means? He's got the what? I have a whiteboard. Oh, yeah. Where did that come from? How are we doing? Good? I need a little bit more than that. How's everybody doing? Look at that. Man, I get... I came up here with so much equipment. This is unbelievable. Hey, why don't we pray and uh, we'll jump in. Yes? Good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning that you have given us. Uh, It is a beautiful morning, Lord. We thank you for your creation. We thank you, um, God, that you, you pursue us. That in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our brokenness, Lord, in the midst of our ignorance, God, of who you are, who you've created us to be, Lord, what you've done on our behalf, God. And in spite of the fact that we so many times miss it, Lord, you are still present, you are still there, you are still speaking. And we thank you for that, Lord, this morning. May you be honored and glorified in all things. In your name, amen. Have you ever felt um, really guilty? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I do need this. Thank you. There was one over here. I don't know what happened to it. Walked out. All right. Thank you. Um, have you ever felt really guilty and shameful about something you've done in your life? Yes. Yes. I have felt really guilty and shameful for something that I've done in my life. Great. Great. Now that we're all on the same page, um, growing up, I was everything for my family. Uh, I was the garbage disposal. If someone didn't want to finish their food, I took care of it. That's what I did. Um, I was a straight-A student, which I'm very proud of, but my sisters reminded me often that they got the looks in the family while I had the brains. Fine, fine. No, it's not a big deal. I got over it. My wife's beautiful. I totally married up. I am, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Quick story, by the way. I thought Carrie was like way out of my league because when I first met her, I thought she lived in Saddle River. And my thought was like, oh my gosh, how do I compete with that? I married up. <clears throat> yes. Um... Tangent, tangent. Okay, yeah, get, get back to it. I was a taxi driver in my family. No matter where I was and whatever I was doing, if somebody needed a ride somewhere, I needed to leave and drop everything that I was doing to go and be that for whoever, usually my sisters. Now, this one time, though, I was the mailman in my family. You see, um, someone, they will remain unnamed, in my family... Um, was having issues, and they needed to be checked out by a doctor. And so it was in the summertime. I was no older, I was no younger than 11, and I wasn't any older than like 13, 14. And uh, my dad comes up to me. He's like, I have an assignment for you. You need to go to the hospital to drop something off, okay? So-and-so is sick, not feeling well. The doctor needs to check this out. So here you go. So-and-so, 
Waste, yes? And not the liquid kind. Uh, yeah, yeah, great for a Sunday morning, right? Here you go, in about a container like this, I will never look at a Ziploc container this size ever again. Here you go, here's your assignment. Get to the center of town, which, you know, it was a number of blocks away. Get to the center of town, get on a bus, get on the right bus, because if you get on the wrong bus, you're going the wrong way. Get on the right bus, go to so-and-so hospital, which will remain unnamed, because I don't want you guys to not go to that hospital, because they deal with stuff like this, okay? So, get to that correct hospital, you're going on this floor, you're going to see this lab, you're going to drop this off. Get yourself back on this bus that will bring you back to the center of town, get yourself back home. Okay, I get to the center of town, hospital, drop it off. Now, mind you, if you're wondering to yourself, did you carry it like this on the bus? If you've wondered that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I, I could have been like twirling this thing on my finger for all I remember. I have no idea. So, one of you were thinking about that? <laughs> um, so I do it. I, I, I accomplish the task. I get back home. And um, I'm like the local hero. My son, you followed directions so great. That was so wonderful. Good for you. Great job. So proud of you. You got on the bus by yourself. You got back. Great, great, great. Awesome. I deserve something from this. So being that I'm in that range between 11 and 13, 14, I have free range to play video games now. So I'm playing video games now. I'm a guy. As a guy, when you play video games, you can't sit back and slouch back in your seat. That's not the way that it works. Because if you're slouched back, like legs crossed like this, you're probably losing the video game. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Every guy knows exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? If you're, in, if you're invested in the game, then you're at least sitting up, propped up like this. Okay? You're invested, right? But... If it's your livelihood you're talking about, you're standing up, you're screaming, fist pumping, like all sorts of crazy action. Now, being a guy, when you lose, it's the end of the world. And so something has happened within the video game that now has got me completely frustrated to the point where I kick my hamper, boom, hard as anything. There is a metal hanger on top of this hamper, which of course, beautifully falls behind the hamper to the outlet for where this plug is now exposed, right? And, and like, doesn't it always happen like this, right? Of course, that metal hanger makes perfect contact with the plug, causing, you know, whatever is, happens behind the scenes to electricity in your house, creating a burn that goes up along, you know, my, the wall in my house. Yes, I know. That was my reaction, right? I wish that that's what my parents' reaction would have, like, come to, just like, oh, my gosh. No. 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 I, I, I was guilted. I was, and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, an hour ago, I was, like, the mayor of, like, my, my house, right? And now I'm in all sorts of deep, trouble, shame, guilty, I feel stupid, I'm worthless, useless. Da, 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 da. Isn't this how we interact with God? Let's be honest. For most of us, we interact with God 
in this way. We, we, we're walking along the journey of life trying to believe that God is good and that God is great. We journey along in life trying to really hold on to the fact that there is this God who loves us, which was like so like beautifully portrayed last week, right? That there is a creator and, and he, he, he's running after us, he's pursuing after us, and yet guilt and shame paralyze us. And it doesn't matter where you are in your journey of faith. If, you, if you're just trying to figure out Jesus and, and trying to make steps towards him, in the back of your mind, guilt and shame of your past and things that you've done hold you up, trip you up. But even if you've been walking with Jesus for decades, the guilt and shame of your past and of your sin hold you up and hold me up. Amen? We can't get over that. We struggle through that. But here's what I want you to, here's what I want to draw attention to this morning. (laughs) Because for a lot of us, we really only believe that God accepts us, oops, that God accepts us when we perform, right? When we do good and we do nothing but good. And that performance has to be Broadway-esque. It must be excellent. It must be perfect. It must be beautiful. And we can't deviate. Because when we deviate, there comes that guilt and there comes that shame to hold us up. Here's what I want to Here's what I want you to, here's the big idea. If you hear nothing else this morning, here's the big idea. Though guilt and shame are a positive thing, I'll get to that later. Though guilt and shame can be, can be a positive thing, that is not God's lifestyle choice for us. Let me say that one more time. Though guilt and shame can be positive, I'll get to that, it is not God's lifestyle choice for us. As a matter of fact, God is ready, willing, and able to declare us not guilty. I'll say that one more time. God is ready willing and able to declare us not guilty. If you have a blue Bible um, on your seat, you want to go to page 676. We're going to Romans chapter 3. We're going to start on verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Page 676. And it's on the screen too. Okay, good? Here we go. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. 
without keeping requirements of the law, without performing. God has made a way for us to be made right with him without performing. That's what that means. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are. This is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So God has a standard. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. It's excellent. It's perfect. And none of us meet this standard. None of us meet the standard. We all fall short. No matter how hard we press, no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we are, we cannot meet that standard that God has. Yet, yet, I love, I hope you're kind of catching this, that like, maybe you come here and you have these like preconceived notions about who God is, but the Bible is like really clear about who we think God is and how we think he functions, and yet, the things that he's trying to address in our lives. So it says this, Yet, God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. We fall short of God's glorious standards, yet in the midst of that, God declare, uh, declares us righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. The present time being Jesus dying on the cross. God did this, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just and declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus, which is totally weird because we wouldn't look at justice that way. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Let's do a little recap of last week. What did we talk about? Jesus. Jesus. We, he did come up. Oddly enough. Who knew? I didn't see it coming. God finds us. What else? We don't find God. We don't find God. Hey. Great. So, um, yes, God finds us. God seeks after us. We don't seek after him. God is the initiator of salvation, right? God is the provider of of salvation through Jesus. So I was supposed to have like a bigger whiteboard, but they don't know where that thing is. I don't know how you lose a whiteboard like that. So we have this thing. Um, 
So here we have God, and I'm going to... There we go. God. I know some of you don't like red, but that's okay. God, right? And um, here we have the world, and I know we're not in a straight line. I'm just trying to make it big enough for everybody to see. So that's the world. And um, let's just make it individual, individualistic. So I'm coming this way, and look, yay, you know, whatever. I have long hair, I have short hair, whatever, right? So here's God. Here's us. Last week, we are oblivious to this God. We don't recognize this God, but this God pursues us. This God tries to get our attention, right? But, but we're not with it. So God initiates. God pursues. Kairos moment, right? We've talked about this for a while. Kairos moment. We are going along the path in life. Let me just erase this. Oh, no. This is dry erase. All right. Forget it. This is like 15 pounds of stuff, like carry for no reason. Doesn't matter. Cairo circle. We are going along in life completely oblivious to there is this God who loves us, desire, desires us to be in a relationship with him, created us for that. And we, he finally gets our attention. And so we go around the Kairos circle. If you remember what the Cairo circle is, it's God communicating to us who he is, what he's like, who we are in light of who he is, what he's done for us through Jesus, right? That's the one half of the circle. God is trying to communicate something to us about himself. And in the midst of that, he desires a response. There's a response. There's something we have to do about that, right? So last week we talked about the first part of salvation, that God is the one who initiates. God is the one that moves heaven and earth to get our attention, for us to wrestle with who he is. We start to do that. We pay attention. We start to respond, right? We respond in faith. For those of us that say, like, I put my trust in Jesus, we've responded in faith, but now what? What happens next? Sorry. What happens next? This is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about justification. Okay? Justification. Justification is what happens when God moves, when we respond, and now God has to respond to our response. Okay? God has to now respond. He's calling for something. He's communicating something. He's saying something. We're responding in faith. Now God has to do something, okay? Justification. Some of you have heard that justification is basically just as if I never sinned. How many of you guys have heard that? Show of hands. Just as if I've never sinned, okay? Justification, just as if I never sinned. While I understand what's being told there, it's actually something that's not helpful for gospel fluency because it doesn't tell the story. Justification has been said to be just as if you, it, look at yourself. Once you believe in Jesus, it's, it's just as if you've never sinned. It's like you never sinned. But here's the problem. The problem is I have sinned. The problem is I'm probably going to sin a lot today. We're not even through November yet. And like, it's probably not looking too good for me already. 
2014 isn't over yet, and like, there's not much hope, right? I have sinned. I will sin today. Trust me. I probably already have. And it's definitely coming the rest of this year. I mean, it's just going to happen, right? So for me, viewing justification that way, though I understand what's being said, just as if you never sinned, doesn't tell the whole story because it keeps me surrounded and living in guilt. But I, but I did sin. And I do sin. And I pretty much guarantee that I will continue to sin. What do I do with that? What do I do with that? So justification. There's a slide for this. I think under sermon. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Justification. There are two things that happen in justification. And we're going to go a little, you know, a little deep, a little dense. I'm trying to connect the dots for you, so stay with me. Justification. Two things that happen. Number one, justification is a legal act where God declares, declares our sins as forgiven and Jesus Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. God declares our sins as forgiven and Jesus Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. Number two, God declares our sins as... That is not right. Whatever. God declares our... It is right. I just... It's whatever. God declares our sins as forgiven and declares us to be right in his sight based on Christ's righteousness. So there are two things that happen. We'll take the second one first. Notice that it says that God declares, and it doesn't say God makes. Okay? In this thing of justification, God doesn't change us internally to be perfect so that we therefore sin no more. That's not what happens. God declares us to be made right with him. God declares us not guilty. Not guilty. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we say we want to surrender our lives to who Jesus is, God declares us not guilty. What does this mean? It means whatever we've done in our past, whatever we've done in our present, whatever we will do in our future by way of sin, we are no longer liable to punishment for this sin. Okay, you're not excited about that. Let me say it maybe one more time. Should I try it in Spanish? Yes? Oh, please. Oh, man. That was kind of rough, actually. Um, say it again. God declares us right in his sight. He declares us not guilty. For those of us that have been justified, forgiven, declared righteous, made not guilty, we are no longer liable for punishment. We are no longer liable for punishment for our past sins, for our present sins, and for our future sins. God will not punish us in eternity for these things. Amen? I mean, I, we could just kind of stop right there, but I'm not. But we could. 
You know what I mean? And be like, go home and be like, man, I feel good. I feel great. We've been forgiven. We've been declared forgiven. We now have Jesus' righteousness within us. So how does God do this? How does he do this? I really wish I had a whiteboard, but how does God do this? Okay. The reason that we're declared righteous is that we have Jesus' righteousness in our lives. Let's, let's make an illustration. Omar goes to jail. I haven't. Once I was really close. But that's a really good sermon illustration for another sermon. So we will keep going. But let's just say Omar goes to jail. And what they have on me is like real. I, I, I'm on video. There's a hundred witnesses. Their stories all line up. And I'm like, yeah, I did it. Whatever it is that got me to go to jail, I did it. So the judge looks at everything and he says, Omar, you know, because of what you got, because of what you're going through, you know, all, all this stuff, you're free to go. Excuse me? You're free to go. How many of you would be like, that's not just? How come that dude gets to get out of jail, but like, I got to pay this feeding ticket, right? That's how we would view that. God views it the same way. We stand before God. I stand before God. And God says, Omar, you've lied. You've cheated. You've stolen. You've given into temptation. Deep in your soul, you've hated people. Definitely in your life, you have placed other things before God. Do you realize what you've done? Totally realize what I've done. All those things are 100% true. All of those things are accurate. You, you could keep going. And God, I would completely agree with you. And God says, because of that, that list, not guilty. What? Doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, if there, if, if there is anyone in this world who has every right to drop the hammer on us, it would be God, right? And yet God is ready, willing, and able to declare us not guilty. Why? Last week, Rob um, made mention of the story, the, the narrative in the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve screwed it up for everybody. Messed the whole thing up. Because of what Adam and Eve have done, we basically inherit their sin. So what, what does that mean? We, it's credited into our account. Let's, let's put it that way. Credited into our account is what Adam and Eve did to kind of get this whole, whole thing started by way of sin. We've inherited that. That, that is in our account. And there's nothing that we could do about it. On the cross, though, thank God, on the cross, God credits our sin into Christ's account. That's how that works, okay? Adam and Eve give us sin. Hey, guys, here, you know, like, there you go. 
have at it world, you know, you can always thank your great, great, great grandma and grandpa for messing it up for everybody else. That's our inheritance. That's what's been credited to our account. And yet on the cross, God credits our sin into Christ's account. And because of that, those that have faith in Jesus Christ, God credits Jesus' righteousness into our account. Amen? So when God sees us, he sees Jesus. When God sees us, there's nothing in that other account. Those sins have been wiped away. Those sins that will come have been wiped away. Because what God sees is Jesus' righteousness. That's how come God is able to do that. So I ask you, is God not a good God? Is God not a gracious God? Is he not gracious to people that can do absolutely nothing about the sin that's in our account, yet he makes a way through Jesus Christ? Amen? Getting a lot of amens this morning. That's good. Okay. For some of us, this seems simple. This, like, oh, I, I get that. I, you know, I guess I've heard that kind of, you know, throughout life. And, and it makes sense. I guess what you're saying, Omar, where you're, you know, kind of, it makes sense. Why, why is this so important? It's really important for you to know and for me to know and for us to live in and to walk in. Let me speak first to those who claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Talk to you first. This is so important for us to know because you and I have unnecessarily, unnecessarily carried guilt and shame through our whole lives. Ever since you started walking with Jesus, some of us have, have been burdened by this guilt and shame that God took off of us and placed on Jesus. Jesus has dealt with it already. There are some of us here that struggle because we think that we actually have to prove ourselves to God. And there's nothing, like the, the Bible is clear on that. The Bible is clear on that. Uh, Romans, you know, verse 26, verse 28. Romans 5, chapter 1. All of these passages, they say that you are made right. You are declared not guilty by God. Not based on your performance. Not based on the things that you do and you don't do. The Bible is clear that we don't even 
we don't even get to do this. God doesn't count. It doesn't count to God. It doesn't count to God how good you think you actually have to be or, or how straight line you think you have to live your life. It doesn't even count. Because all that counts is what Jesus did on the cross for us. Guilt and shame are not God's lifestyle choice for our lives. Guilt and shame can be positive, right? They, they, I mean, you know, guilt, all guilt is, is acknowledge like you're wrong. You did something that was wrong. That's it. Guilt. You're guilty. Hey, you know, you like slammed that door really hard and you broke it. That, you know, you did that. You're right. I did do that. You know? Shame is what we feel because of what we've just done. And those things should lead us to forgiveness and, 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 and draw back to God and say, God, I realize that what I've done here is wrong. I apologize for that. I'm sorry for that. Help me change. But as far as that guilt and that shame that has consumed you and me over the past 10 years, Jesus did away with that. Jesus did away with that. Amen? Okay. For those of you that are here and you're, you're trying to figure God out, you're trying to figure Jesus out, you're, you're, you're walking closer, you're here and you're asking questions and all that type of stuff, you might be thinking to yourself, but you don't understand. Like, Omar, I, I, get, I get you because you're like the, one of the pastors and, you know, seemingly a nice guy. Little do you know. <laughs> God can't handle my stuff. I mean, if, we, if I were to open up my life about 2005, about 1996, which is a great year, about you know, 84. If, if that was opened up and, 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 and I really laid that out before, there's no way. There's no way that God could accept me and embrace me because of all of that. And to you, I say, you're absolutely right. You're right. God can't embrace and accept any one of us in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our screw-ups, in the midst of our sins. And that's why he sent Jesus for us. No matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, no matter how mediocre you are, God sent Jesus as our Savior to pay the penalty for our sin. Because no matter how good we might ever think we'll become, it was never going to be good enough. And so God in His goodness, in His kindness, in His graciousness, says, I'll deal with it. So if you're worried about your guilt and your shame from your past, again I say, again the Bible declares, 
that God is ready, willing, and able to declare you not guilty. Not guilty. Made right with God. Not guilty. A gavel is something that is used in courts and all sorts of other things to finalize something. To make something, it's 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 a symbolic thing of something being set in stone. Brandon Parker, God declares you not guilty. Patrick and Jillian Stanley, God declares you guys not guilty. Robin Sue Parker, God declares you guys not guilty. Josh and Allison Pierce, God declares you guys not guilty. Carrie Niebles, God declares you not guilty. Followers of Jesus Christ. For those of you that have embraced Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, God declares you not guilty. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it is humbling It is humbling, God, to know that you have forgiven us for our past, no matter how dark, dirty, dysfunctional, broken, aimless, empty, evil, our past have been, God. And whether we're the people on stage, Lord, or the person that's unheard of, Lord, hiding somewhere, we're all on the same playing field with you. And God, what a wonder, Lord, what a wonder it is To know that you are ready, willing, and able to declare us not guilty. To declare us 
as being made right with you. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing love for us. God, thank you that you're, you're our hero, Lord. You are our hero. You're our, our Savior. You're our Lord. Lord, you, you walk with us, Lord, in this life, God, of where we have struggles and where we still experience pain, where we experience confusion and we don't know why things have, have gone the way that they've gone. Yet in the midst of that, Lord, you are still good and gracious to us. Help us to know this, God. It's so easy to talk about, but I pray that you would help us to know this. Deep in our core, may we wrestle with the shame, with the guilt that we've harbored in our lives for so long. God, and release us from it. I pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen. Um, if there's one other thing I could add, not guilty. Not guilty. Amen. Good word, Omar. Amen? Amen. We're going to do something a little unique this morning, because um, that's what we do at the plant. Um, I think of uh, the story of Jesus with the adulterous woman, and there was a place where this woman was going to be stoned by all the religious leaders, and she, Jesus walked into the, into the whole situation that was going on, and they wanted Jesus to tell them to stone her. And Jesus drew a big line and he said, if any of you have sinned, if you have not sinned, throw it on your stone. And they all recognized that they had sinned, that all of us have sinned. We've all done something to keep us in a place that God will always feel distance. Amen? Have we ever felt that? But he looked at her and he forgave her. He declared her righteous. And he said to her, he, he said, go and sin no more. In other words, turn from the life that declared you dirty and live a life that declares you right. Our words are powerful and effective. And so I know that there's some of you who live in guilt, some of you who live in shame. And there has to be a place, he says, it says in Scripture that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's not the guilt of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness. When we see who Jesus really is, that he forgave the adulterous woman, when he forgives the demoniac, when he forgives the, 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 the tax collector, when we see that he loved them and invited them into relationship, that's the Jesus we want to serve. Correct? That's who I want to serve. But some of you walk around with guilt and shame. And you can come to the communion table and be like, yeah, I'm going to eat of it. I'm declaring myself right. Let's kind of change it up a little bit this morning. If you're here and you are struggling with guilt or shame, I think you need to nail something. Just don't break it. It's Omar's rotary thing. But here's, here's our, our second station. Just come up and I'm forgiven. 
You need to let it go. If you don't let your guilt and shame go, you will live in a prison and miss out on the life that God has for you. I've been there. It took me many moons to let go of all my garbage. But there came a place where I realized that God declares that I'm His. And the one thing He said to me, I'll never forget the fateful night. He said, I'm giving you a do-over. Some of you need a huge do-over. Amen? You need a do-over. You need to let it go. Because God loves you. And today, you decide to be declared righteous in God's eyes because of Jesus. Amen? So let's do this. We're going to come to the communion table. And Jeremy and I are going to simply say, you are forgiven. Because when you come to the table, you are saying, I am stepping out in faith and believing that Jesus forgives me. But if you're here and you're just like, I can't even come to the communion table. I want you to walk up and just hit it. Just don't break it. And say, I'm declared righteous. And then come eat at the table. So I want to pray. Some of you are going to be thinking that people are looking at you. So I will say this. I'm declared righteous. In the midst of all my stuff, God accepts me and loves me. Not that I would stay the same, but I would see his kindness and run after him in all his glory and everything he has. Because he doesn't want me to stay the same. He wants me and him to experience the life that he has. One that is good. One that is awesome. One that is pleasing. One that causes me to thrive. One that causes me to experience everything he's planned at my birth. So I want to invite you if you, need to be, if you need to be declared righteous, come hit the gavel. And then come and eat. And know that it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to this place of not just forgiveness, but acceptance for who He is and who we are in His sight. Amen? Amen.